I asked a friend of mine who's going through the same Advent guide that we are, talking about thin places, and I'm really happy that you can do it tonight. Jim Emig from Kiowa Creek Community Church in Kiowa, Colorado, is part of my preaching team. That's uh, three other guys that I've met with for the past decade or more. We get together every week to discuss our sermons. Uh, they usually beat me up. I try to return the favor and don't always get there. Uh, so it's kind of a men's group and also a preaching team at the same time. So um, Jim knows all of my crap, and uh, I know all of his. Uh, so, you know, so I know he's going to be kind to me when he gets up here today. <laughs> But honestly, uh, Jim Emig is a graduate of Denver Seminary, has been involved uh, in uh, at least uh, one or two other startup churches. He worked as a uh, caseworker at the Stout Street Clinic for many years and directed the homeless shelter that used to be at the First Baptist Church over across from the Capitol building. Um, he has been a pastor at Kiowa Creek now for several years, and honestly, is one of the most gifted men that I know when it comes to preaching the Word of God. He certainly knows it well enough. He always encourages us to stay true to the text of the Word of God, and it is my great pleasure to introduce my friend, Jim Emig. Would you please give him a warm welcome since he's doing this spur of the moment. You guys may as well go home now. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be as good as he has made me out to be. We are in Luke chapter 2. We've been talking about thin places. And, 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 at, and at Kiowa, I've been talking about the fact that the thin places of, uh, of, of Zechariah and the thin place of, of Elizabeth and the thin place of the shepherds were, were not exactly what you might think it would be. That, that the thin places you think would be when Zechariah met the angel, and you would think would be when, when the angels uh, came to the shepherds. But, but I think that, that the thin places for Zechariah was the nine months of silence while he, he listened and, and, and heard the voice of God. And the, the thin place for the shepherds was not when they saw the angel, but when they were, enab- were able to pick up the baby Jesus and, and, and see God smile at them. And then even more so when they were able to go out into the, into the region and tell people what was going on as they were able to deliver the good news, they really touched the thin place. And so today, the, the thin place of, of, of Simeon is, is something similar. And, and uh, let's go ahead and read this passage and then we will, uh, we will pray. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Mary and Joseph took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, 
as you have promised. You now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the rising or the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you have brought us here today to look into your word. I pray that as we think about this very thin place, that you will give us courage to face our own thin places. In your name we pray. Amen. So it was, uh, or it is, it is almost Christmas time, and, and I, I'm hoping this is not uh, real news to you folks, because if it is, boy, do you have a lot of shopping to do before Christmas comes. I remember that, that when I was a kid, when I was, you know, 10, 11, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, we waited. I mean, Christmas season officially began with the delivery of the Sears catalog. Now, now, now many of you, I, I understand, I, you know, now we're going to have to do some cross-cultural communication because you, many of you guys have no idea what a Sears catalog is. But this was, this was like, like the holy grail of Christmas. This was, this was a catalog about this thick, and, and the beginning, you know, had all the clothes and stuff, and, and you almost wanted to rip that part away, because God forbid your parents see, you know, the dad and lad collection and decide that you needed pants or, or shirts for Christmas, and so you didn't want that to happen, but, but what you did is you went to the very back, in the very back there was the sporting section, and, and I was a little young for the sporting section, but the toys, and you would begin to look at the toys, and, 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 and you would... You would focus on the, you would dream about the toys. You would, you would pick out your top five and, 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 and you would begin to dream about, oh, wouldn't life be wonderful if, if I could get this rocket that, that, that you put water in and then pump up with air and it, and it soars 300 feet in the air and, and then a parachute poof comes out and it slowly comes down. I, I actually was a person of fairly simple dreams, I thought. Um, and so we would, we would mark those pages. After a while, you didn't have to mark the, those pages. The, 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 the catalog would just open to them as we stared and thought and dreamed about what Christmas would be like if, if, if we could actually have those toys. Well, well, you know, I mean, as, as Christmas drew near, you begin to, to waver in your, your, your belief that, that what you're going to, what you're dreaming about is actually going to come to you. And, and, and the day finally came, and Christmas, and you would, you would be excited or you would not be. I remember one year, it was just a wonderful Christmas, I got the, uh, a briefcase, a, a, a secret agent briefcase that, 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 had, that had a gun inside. It was a pistol. And, and, and then, then there was a stock, so you could turn, turn it into a, a rifle if you wanted. But the best thing of all is there was a button on the side of that briefcase, and if you pushed it, it shot right out of the briefcase. 
Is this technology or what? I mean, I said, oh my goodness. I mean, I, I, had, I, I had hit the mother load. It was just a wonderful day. Well, well, today, I mean, we're, we're talking about a story of a man who had been promised something wonderful for Christmas. Now, of course, he didn't know it was going to be Christmas. He didn't know anything of what was going to come. But, but here was a man who was born into a society that desperately waited for the Messiah. And they had been desperately waiting for the Messiah for, oh, about 2,000 years. Pretty much ever since David had died, ever since, certainly ever since the exile, they had been patiently waiting for the Messiah, the day of the Lord, the time in which God would step into our world and make everything right. If only Messiah would come, our world would be, would be turned upside down. It would be made right. And as he was schooled in, in, in theology, as he was schooled in the Torah, as he was schooled in the, in the scriptures, as he pursued God, as he developed his relationship with God, he began to understand something very unique. God had promised him, the Spirit had told him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's anointed, until he had seen Messiah. You see, many generations had come and gone and never had Christmas. They had waited and waited and waited and they would talk about how wonderful it would be if Messiah were to come to them. And they died and the next generation came and talked about the same things over and over and over again. It was generation after generation praying for and talking about and anticipating the Messiah. They would actually page through the scriptures as I did that Sears catalog, looking at those passages that would promise them great things. And they would say, oh, if only it would happen soon. And Simeon was told, in your lifetime, Messiah will come. In your lifetime, you will be able to see the one who will bring about all of the change. And so, and so Simeon was a special case. As he looked through these scriptures, he was not uh, in hope, but he was in expectation. He knew Christmas would come in his lifetime. And he was looking forward to that day when he would be able to say, there he is, the end has begun. The change will begin. Christ, God is in our world and Christ will bring about what we have always anticipated. For you see, just in my mind, as I had looked through those pages and said, here's what life will be like. If, if, if I get this, this secret agent briefcase that I can shoot bullets out of, oh, I'll be able to right all of the wrongs in the, in, in the world. I'll be able to, 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 to have my influence brought to my world. And, and so I, I love to think about what that would be like in, in an anticipation of that event. Well, Simeon actually knew that was coming, and he began to say, what is this going to be like? Well, he goes back through the Old Testament, and he looks through Isaiah, and he looks through all of the passages that he has taught. He has taught that the Messiah is going to be someone who will be a military ruler, and he will destroy the enemies of, 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 of Israel, and, and, and Israel will become a great nation again, and, and, and we will be able to, to exercise our influence in our world. But as he began to look through those scriptures as he began to listen to the Holy Spirit. It says that he was a righteous and a devout man. 
something began to happen. He began to realize that there was more going on than, than he had been told. There was more going on than, than he had thought, that the, that the kingdom of God was bigger than he had ever anticipated. And he began to give up his dream of Messiah. And as he began to give up his dream of Messiah, God was able to teach him about God's dream of Messiah. You see, he was a devout man. He was a righteous man. He was a man who listened to the Holy Spirit. And as we often see in Scripture, God waits until the very end of their lives before he gives what he has promised. You see, I think of Abraham, who was called at 75 and said, you're going to have a kid. And and Abraham said, well, you know, that's kind of old. (laughs) But uh, I guess, and so, you know, it's it's 80 and 85 and then 90 and then 95, and he's just going crazy. And finally, at 99, God comes to him and says, you're going to have a kid. And he says, yeah, tell me about it. I'm 99. It ain't going to happen. It's gone. But God says, no, I've brought you to the very edge. Just like later, years later, he would bring Israel right to the edge of the Red Sea before he acted. He often takes us to the edge of despair before he comes through. It gives us the opportunity to learn how to trust him, to learn how to wait for him, to learn how to cling to him when, when, when everything in our minds tells us that, that God is too late. He's a day late and a dollar short. Anyway, so he is waiting for, for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for Christmas. He's waiting for that wonderful day. Well, meanwhile, Joseph and Mary are going through their things. We've, we've talked about them in weeks past. At eight days, Jesus is circumcised. Now, when a woman has a child, she is unclean for seven days. If it's a boy. If it's a girl, she's unclean for 14 days. I guess that puts to rest the question of who was messier, the boys or the girls. And, and then after that seven days, the boys can be circumcised. And then for 33 more days, the woman has to remain in seclusion. So after 40 days, the boy is ready to be presented to the, in the temple. With the girls, it's 14 days of uncleanliness. And then it's 66 days of being in seclusion. And so Jesus at eight days is circumcised and then at, at 40 days is brought to Jerusalem from Bethlehem, we assume, and, and is brought into the temple. Mary brings a sacrifice. Now in the Old Testament it says that the sacrifice was this, a, a, a lamb for, for the, the, the sacrifice, for the burnt offering. And... and um, a couple of doves or uh, uh, pigeons. Now, if you were poor, then you didn't have to bring the lamb. You simply brought two pigeons or two doves. Ironically, Mary was too poor to be able to afford a lamb as she carries the Lamb of God into the temple. They have had a, a, a full 40 days. Actually, they've had a full year. As Mary is approached by the angel, as, as Joseph is approached by the angel, as, as, as they end up uh, walking through, you know, walking from Nazareth to, to Bethlehem, having a child and then having a bunch of shepherds run in and say, Where is he who is, is, the angels have told us about? Where is the king of the Jews? Well, after 40 days of, of, of Jesus being around, they walk him into the temple. 
And on that very day, Simeon and, and Anna, as we will later see, is, is wandering around the temple. This is their, these are their haunts. They have been waiting for, for, for God to, to do what he said he would do. Simeon had learned to listen to the Spirit of God. And, and the Spirit of God uh, moves him, guides him, almost herds him out into the court of the women. I mean, why, why would God want me out here? But as he walks into the court of the women, he sees a child. And the angel, or the, the Spirit of the Lord says, there he is. There is the promised one. Now, now in, in our pictures, it would be obvious that he was the, the, the anointed one because he, his face kind of glowed. And, you know, there was this little halo around him, the perpetual halo, which must have kept Mary awake at nights. But... But, but it wasn't that way, really. I mean, it, it wasn't, he, like, they carried Jesus in, and there were all these other babies, you know, hanging around, and, and, you know, and, and, and out of all of those children, out of all of those parents, Simeon is drawn to this child, and he takes the child in his arms, and he is able to see the face of God. You see, now, this is a very different picture than what you get reading the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a God who, whose, whose main hobby seems to be smoting people. I, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, the God of the Old Testament is a God who is just a, an, an iron fist kind of God. And, and, and you know, he, he, he talks about if you don't do what I say, you're going to be cursed and your crops will die in the field and your animals will, will, will just fall over dead and, and the whole nation will be chased by, by a hundred uh, enemies and, 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 and you will have no hope. But see, over the course of time, Simeon had begun to understand different things about who God was. I must admit, the older I get, the more I read Scripture. The more I read the Old Testament, the more I'm just stunned by by the loving nature of God. Yeah, there is a lot of smoting. There is a lot of judgment. But in all of that judgment, I, as I get older, begin to see more and more the tears of God being, being mingled in with that judgment. More and more, the hope of God as he is looking forward to a day when, when the people who are called not my people shall once again be called my people. And Simeon had begun to understand this. And we understand that he understands this by as he takes the child in his arms, what he begins to say. He takes the child in his arms and he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. Now listen to this verse. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. You see, when he reads those words, if there were any Pharisees hanging around listening to, to what he was saying, they would say, ah, boy, he's, he's off on his theology. He doesn't quite know what he's speaking about because the purpose of Messiah, as far as the Israelites were concerned, was to make Israel into a great nation so they could just stomp the, 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 the tar, stomp the life out of the Gentiles. If you were to ask a Pharisee, you know, pump the sodium pentothal into him and ask him, why, 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 why does God have so many Gentiles running around the earth? And, and their answer would be, and it is actually written in some of their, their, um, in some of their writings, that the, the purpose of the, the Gentiles is to provide cordwood for the fires of hell to heat heaven for the, the Jews. They believed that the worst Jew had a better shot at heaven than the best Gentile. 
that only by repenting, only, only by becoming a Jew, could they ever possibly hope uh, for any kind of reconciliation. But, but see, what, what Simeon says is that this is a light of revelation to the Gentile. That God is expanding his operation. He's reaching out into, into the outside world. He's bringing the Gentiles to him with his child, with Messiah. And that will be for the glory of the Jews and for the glory of God. And so Simeon, in in the very thinnest of places, as he is able to, to look into the face of God, tells God, you can take me home now. Because you have fulfilled the one promise that that you gave to me those many years ago. And now I know that your plan will be accomplished. But you see, he gave up the Jewish hope for Messiah to receive the Spirit of God's hope for Messiah. And that is salvation to all of us. You see, you see, 2,000 years later, we sometimes sit around and wonder if salvation is for the Jews. 2,000 years ago, Jews would sit around and wonder if salvation would ever be for the Gentiles. And so in that very thinnest of places, Simeon is able to proclaim the true gospel of God. You see, when we approach God, when God allows us into the thinnest of places, we will see his kingdom differently because we will see his love differently. We will see his mercy differently. We will see his grace in a different way, more vibrant colors, more pervasive. We will understand the fact that that God is not willing that any should perish and that God will work as hard as he can to make sure that that will is fulfilled. In the thin place, he sees God. He sees the glory of God. He sees the love of God. He also sees the pain of the fight. For he turns to Mary and he turns to Joseph and he says, this child is, 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 is set up for the falling and rising of many in Israel. Their hearts will be revealed. You know, as you look through the book of Luke, that becomes one of the themes of the book of Luke. As God walks through Israel, as he walks through that, that countryside, people come to him and they are forced to decide. some to their death and some to their life. But as they speak to Jesus, their heart is is read by the Spirit of God. You know, there are times when we read the Bible and and it becomes difficult. Am I reading the Bible or is the Bible reading me? I mean, as I read the Scriptures, it seems as if God is busy doing His own reading as He peers into my heart. And that really was Jesus' goal here on earth, is to reveal the hearts of, 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 of humankind. You see, when God begins to do that in your world, the, 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 the first inclination is to close the book and, 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 and to put on the headphones and to listen to something, to, to, to get that out of our minds. Very often when God convicts us, we, we feel very uncomfortable, and yet that is God revealing our heart. Those become the thin places in our lives. 
When God looks and, 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 and takes his finger and points it right into our heart and says, look at that, oh my goodness. We don't want to hear that. You see, very often, we, as, as we've been walking through the thin places, I suspect some of you have said, boy, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great to see the angel? Wouldn't it be great to, to be in one of those, those thin places where, where it's almost like you're, you can hear the crackling. I mean, you can, you can sense the electricity of the presence of God. And I'm going to suggest to you that you've been there more often than you know. Very often when you're being convicted of sin. You see, that's God revealing your heart. That's, that's Jesus Christ walking among you. And those are the moments when we are most tempted to close our ears, busy ourselves doing other things, rather than allowing that thin place to change our world. We watch what Jesus does in his society as he walks through the book of Luke, as he walks through the Gospels. And, and, and very often I have little patience for the people who reject Christ until Christ speaks to my heart. And I say, oh my goodness, look at the time. I, I got to go. God, look, I, I'll be back later. I, I know I will. I mean, I, mean, I mean, you know where to find me, but, but man, I'm just, I'm just way too busy for this kind of closeness. As Simeon is speaking, as he is feeling that, that, that thin place, as he is trying to communicate the, the uh, evidence of that thin place to Mary and Joseph, he says to Mary, and a sword shall pierce your soul also. There are times when we feel the heartbreak of our lives gone terribly wrong. When we just know what God is doing and then God seems to veer off course and crash and, and, and we're left all alone. In the very next story, Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple and, and they walk home and three days after they, they leave Jerusalem, they, 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 they hook up and they say, well, so um, how's Jesus been enjoying the trip? And they, I thought he was with you. And, 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 and they say, oh my goodness, I mean, he... And, well, he must be with one of the aunts and uncles. And so they, they go through the entire uh, camp and they're asking people, oh, where's Jesus? I mean, surely you have him. And, and, and he's, he's not there. Three days to lose him and three days to find out that they've lost him. And, and, and then they head back to Jerusalem and, and they find him in the temple. And Jesus says, don't you know? <laughs> I have to be in my father's house. I, I have to be doing what my father has given me to do. I mean, could you imagine the sword stuck through Mary's heart as she's frantically looking for Jesus? I mean, how does that look on your resume? Lost God. I mean, I mean, that's not what you want to tell people. You don't put that on Facebook. Yeah, you know, I lost God today. Bummer. Anyone seen him? Give me a call. You see, he already begins to, to cause them difficulty. He went home and he was obedient, but once he starts his ministry, once again, there was a time when it says that Mary and, 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 and the family come and, and they try to essentially perform an intervention because Jesus is working way too hard and he's, he's, he's not doing anything for himself. He's, he's not taking personal time. And, and so you know, they, they say, you know, we, we have to make sure that, that he's okay. And, and they come to get him and, and Jesus says... 
where Jesus is told, your mother and your brothers are here for you. And he says, they're not my mother. That's not my mother and brothers. My mother and my brothers, they're the ones who do the will of the Father who sent me. And the dagger is stuck into her heart as she watches Jesus seemingly reject her. And all because she was looking out for his best interests. The dagger would be pushed entirely through her heart as she stands at the foot of the cross watching him die. Sure that the glory of God could not be in this place when in fact that was the moment in which the glory of God shone the brightest. But you see, as the glory of God shone in her world, it felt like a dagger in the heart. And so there are times in our own lives, as we go through the pain, as we go through the difficulty of our world, that we say, surely God cannot be here. And in fact, that may be the thinnest of places. For you see, that is when God can can reach into our hearts, when it has been torn asunder by the pain of this world. You see, in my life, I I have worked hard to seal my heart off against all of that pain, against all of that discomfort, but it also leaves me inoculated against his love. And the sword has to pierce my heart so that the pain can escape and the love can replace it. So you see, Mary Mary lived a difficult life as she watched Jesus, and yet those times of pain were actually very thin places. So it is Christmas. And in all of the rush, in all of whatever it is, however it is that we celebrate Christmas, it is important for us to recognize that we may be on the brink of a very thin place. We love to think of those thin places as being places of joy and places of of comfort. And, And certainly those times exist. But very likely, the thin places that God wants us to visit are places of pain and places of conviction. Because it is at the moment that we acknowledge our sin, it is the moment that we acknowledge our need, and we allow God to touch our hearts with His mercy, with his forgiveness, that we are in the thinnest of all places. It is at the moment in our pain when we stop trying to, 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 to take care of the problem ourselves and, and, and open our hearts up to whatever it is God wants to do that we are in the most holy of holies. And so where are you? I talk to people. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, I love him more and more. Remember that song? Come on, join me. Jesus saves and keeps me, and he's the one I'm waiting for. Boy, when did you guys grow up? 
See, we, uh, man, you know, I'm 54. I used to sing that song all the time. Those are the people that, that I, I have little to say. I mean, I mean they, they are so convinced that they are okay that, that God could never penetrate their hearts. But it's when people come and, 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 and they understand that they have no control over their lives that, that I'm filled with hope because they're ready for the touch of God. They are ready for the thin place. I guess what I'm saying is that in your pain, take hope. In your conviction, know that God is near. And allow Him to introduce you to the most wonderful of thin places. I, we're going to pray. And, and some of you, I think, are on the verge of a thin place. Some of you have been running from the thin place. Some of you have been, been just trying to keep God at bay. I mean, as, 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 as He, you know, the hound of heaven pursues you. But some of you for Christmas may decide, you know what? My gift to myself and my gift to God will be to allow God to take me to the thin place and to change my heart. We have, we have the prayer room in the back. And, and if you are interested in having prayer, if you're interested in talking about that thin place, then I encourage you to make your way in that direction. You see, because God moved heaven and earth to bring Jesus Christ here 2,000 years ago. And now He's moving heaven and earth to bring you to a thin place where you can touch the love of the God who brought his son to die for your sin. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you have brought us here today. Lord, I praise you for your willingness to pursue us, to put your finger on our sin, to allow you to, or to allow us the opportunity to give up and be touched by your love. Lord, as, as, as these people are listening to your voice, I pray that they will not be afraid of the thin place, but that they will see it as an opportunity to be touched by your heart in, in an amazing and unique way. So bless them. Give them courage. Give them vision. Give them your love. In your name we pray.